Happy Thanksgiving. Wow, what a strange Thanksgiving it is. Of course, we can't gather how we would normally gather. I was just at IGA and stood in the line and watched a lady buy a turkey. And I looked across and I said, uh, is that turkey a little smaller than you usually do? She said, yes. Looking a little forlorn, a little sad. I said, well, how many pounds is that turkey? And she said, eight. Well, how many pounds do you usually get for it? She said, 30 pounds. Usually have everybody around. We have a big celebration. I love it. It's kind of sad. That was her phrase. It's kind of sad. And for some of us uh, this weekend, it is kind of sad that we can't celebrate and be together how we normally would. But the truth is this. That in the most difficult of situations, we know that we have the treasure that is within us. And that treasure is Jesus Christ. And on this Thanksgiving Day, we want to give thanks to all that God has done. Give thanks for our lives. Give thanks for our friends. Give thanks for our families. Give thanks for a secure country. Give thanks for the sky. And when we look up and see the glory of creation... The cathedral of creation that God has made. We can give thanks. And I give thanks to you. Those of you who join us online. I give thanks for your devotion to what God is doing in your life. I give thanks to your willingness to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the difference that makes in our lives. And certainly... This new series is about that devotion. How desperate are we? How dissatisfied are we about, about our own Christian faith? Are we willing to seek after God and start to reach out and go farther and go deeper? Are we willing to grow? And how do we grow? Well, we grow through feeding on the bread of heaven, not the crumbs. It's no time for crumbs. It's time for the bakery of heaven to come down and we enjoy the bread of life. That we go to the secret place and we grow in our faith. And there the Lord speaks to us and whispers. And the result of his word in our lives, it brings, it brings peace. It brings joy. It brings love. It brings hope. And we don't dry up and wither as Christians. That we are willing to walk in humility this Thanksgiving, that we look around and go, wow, Lord, I am humbled by you. I want to be humble towards others. And I want to be humble enough to continue to keep growing and be teachable and allow the Lord to keep working in my life. I've got a lot to be thankful about. You've come through the wilderness. Last week I spoke about wilderness and the fact that the reason God gives us wildernesses in our life is so that he can produce something remarkable. When we're in the wilderness, we learn to get rid of our pride. When we're in the wilderness, we learn to get rid of our self-dependence. When we're in the wilderness, we learn to lay everything down before God. And so this Thanksgiving, we've got special guests as we enter into worship. Ren Collective. 
Uh, they're going to be leading us in worship. They're an amazing Irish band, internationally known. They have a heart for worship, and we thought it'd be good on this Thanksgiving to bring our Irish friends here, as it were, online to celebrate the goodness of God and the songs they've chosen, the hymns, and the message about that there is a light, that there is a hope, and that God is with us and he will give us peace. So let's pray together. And don't forget, at the end of this segment, we will also be taking communion. So get ready for communion. Father, right now, as we enter into worship, we pray that these songs chosen, this music presented, will be a great blessing to us. And I pray, Lord, and we give thanks for all of your goodness today. And we want to enter today's worship with thanksgiving in our hearts. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Wren Collective here at Willow Park Church. Well, hello, church. We count it a great privilege to be with you, to worship with you um, and your church. I'm just going to read from John chapter 4, um, 23. Jesus said, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for their Father is seeking such people to worship him. You know, it came after just a moment when the Samaritan woman said, But don't you Jews say you're meant to worship in the temple? Jesus was saying, It doesn't matter where you worship from. It matters about the state of your heart. That's where worship comes from. That's what the Father's looking for. So today, whether you're in a living room, whether you're outside, no matter where you are, we just love the fact that we can worship together. We don't need to be in a church building. We are the church. So let's just choose to worship God despite our circumstances. You know, Jesus didn't say to worship in feelings and circumstance, but he said in spirit and in truth. So let's sing together. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you home. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore, safe to shore. Doubts in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, in the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. See this faithfulness, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness. I will follow you, oh, my lighthouse. 
distant right now so we can't do things uh, exactly the way that we would if we were there with you in person that doesn't mean we're not going to make a wee effort here to have a little bit of Irish shindiggery that's a real word look that up why don't you get your arm around whoever you've got near you right now whoever your lockdown partners are why don't you just uh, get your arm around them give them a wee snuggle and uh, let's celebrate the kingdom of God together We're still doing this thing, even in the middle of this weird moment. We're still building the kingdom of God. We believe he still has plans for us to prosper us, not to harm us. That's worth celebrating. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty head. Heal our streets and our might have worked out by now we're big believers in joy we believe in the truth of scripture we believe that the joy of the lord is our strength let's lift up that truth over our circumstances right now let's sing it out come on though the tears may fall my song will rise my song will rise to you Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While this breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While this hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. Singing for joy, come on. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness, I'll dance. 
rise to you Though I cannot feel your hand in mine Let faith arise to you God of mercy and love I will praise you, Lord We worship you I you shine with glory, Lord of light Feel alive with you In your presence now I come alive singing that in confidence, the kind of confidence that we have whenever we sing straight from your word, knowing that it never returns void, that there's always power in the words of scripture. We just recognize that this verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength, is so much more than self-help or anything like that. This isn't just a positive mindset, but this is supernatural power spoken in your word, anchored for all eternity. When the enemy says I'm done, I lift my praises. When my world comes crashing down, I lift my praises high. Till the darkness turns to dawn, I lift my Praises, I choose to worship 
church.
What amazing worship. Uh, we're so grateful. Thank you, Ring Collective, for being with us. Thank you for leading us in worship from your living room, from your studio there uh, in Ireland. And we are so blessed to be able to hear the music and celebrate uh, the goodness of God. What a, what a moving set and how powerful to hear that worship. Well, I want us to step into communion. But when I'm thinking about things to give thanks for, I just want to say, I want to give thanks the fact that this last week, we had over 275 young people come through Willow Park Church in groups, cohorts of grade 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 and 12. All separately, but all able to receive ministry and to be able to connect. Young people, they're finding it hard with their mental health and with the pressure. And I'm glad and proud of our staff and our youth team that they were able to do that. Also this week, we launched our first kids club on Tuesday night. It was full. It was a remarkable time. And it was great to see the way God was using that team. So I'm thankful for the ways. Because we want to keep proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes. All calls. And by proclaiming him, we remember that the message of our church is all about the power and the work of the gospel to transform lives. Even today, as I think about this, I know that this week I had a phone call of somebody who'd been sick in hospital, a young man, and he phoned the church. I returned the call and he simply said, can you explain to me how I can be born again? What a privilege. What a privilege to explain to somebody the way of salvation. God is good. And I know God is working all the time. And we take the bread and we remember that on the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. I think about the cross. I think about the price that he paid. I think about his willingness to shed the blood that fell on the ground at Golgotha. And there on the ground, that blood cried out, forgiveness. You are forgiven. You are renewed. And so, Lord, we thank you for the bread that reminds us of the cost, the brokenness and the pain. And Lord, we thank you that you are the bread of life. And we take it and we eat it and remember you. And thank you that your body was broken for us. What a privilege it is to hold this little cup with this grape juice and look at its colour and reminds me that the blood of Jesus takes away the sin of the world. Give thanks that you are forgiven, you are clean, 
you are renewed. You receive life. God's goodness has transformed you. And this work, this relationship with the Father has only happened because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Well, what a great morning. And now we're going to go over and hear the messages and connect and understand all that God is going to be teaching to us today. So before that, here is the Willow One News that gives you all the news of what's taking place in our wonderful church. Thanks for joining us and look forward to sharing the good news of Jesus with you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We have a few new groups starting this month, including Divorce Care on Monday nights, Women's Bible Study on Tuesday nights, and Gather for Women on Thursday mornings. Visit our website events page for information on how to join these groups. We'd like to invite our friends who are 55 plus to join for our first hymn sing on Wednesday, October 21st at Willow Park Church at 33. If you'd like to attend, you can register online at willowparkchurch.com hymn. GLOW, our youth group for grades 9 to 12, happens each Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. Juice for grades 6 to 8 happens Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week, we want to remind youth that you must pre-register before attending at cahoots.ca. This Saturday, October 17th, some people in our church will be doing a virtual run-slash-walk event to raise funds for the graduates of Child of Mine Homes in India. They are still a ways away from reaching their goal of $30,000, so please consider making a donation online at childofmind.ca events. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving to you all this morning. It's lovely to see you and those of you that are joining us online. We're so happy that you join us online and also on Facebook Live. And uh, I know that you have enjoyed the Ren Collective uh, worship set. 
Uh, they do such an awesome job, those Irish boys. And a great act of worship uh, this morning as a special Thanksgiving. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Look at you. Have you how many of you eaten your turkeys yet? Have you had your turkeys? No, no, some of you, maybe. Hers onto their third turkey. Um, it's like that, isn't it? We had our Thanksgiving yesterday because, strangely enough, I'm preaching three times today, so I need to avoid too much turkey. We had it yesterday, and we, um, it was good, and I managed to sleep after it for an hour as well. Uh, it just does that, doesn't it? It's the power of the turkey. Just sends you to sleep. Uh, it's its final revenge. Um, but it's so good. And uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for, all the goodness of God and all that God has done in our lives. Um, we've been on a journey called Hidden. And uh, this morning, what I want to share with you about is about how we will mature in Christ Jesus. How we grow. How we allow and we walk with the Lord. Now, we've been on a journey And that journey started off when we talked about pursuing God. And are we dissatisfied with where we are at spiritually? Because if we want to grow spiritually, we have to be willing to realize that we are uh, dissatisfied. That there's a dissatisfaction that we want to pursue God. And there's a hunger within our lives to get to know God. Getting to know God is that hunger. And God wants to come to us. He wants to come close to us through Jesus Christ. But he doesn't want us to have the crumbs of faith. He wants us to enjoy the bakery of heaven and the bread of life within our lives. And so often we forget that there's so much more for us in our journey with Christ. But how prepared are we to seek after God in our lives? Because then the second week I spoke about how then trouble comes. We have difficulty. We have hard times. And why does God, why do we experience hard times and difficulty? Well, very often, this is the time when we discover the power of grace. And we discover that we have a treasure within our lives. And that treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are just earthen vessels. The Apostle Paul says we're like clay vessels. But we have a treasure within. And and this this vessel is getting old. And it's, it's creaking a bit. And I don't know about your vessel, and it's got some cracks in it. I won't get into too much detail. But you know, we get old, don't we? And I I seem to be going to the physio a lot more than I used to go. Uh, And I I used to run marathons a lot easier than I run them now, that's for sure. And I take a lot longer to, to recover after a marathon, about two or three years, where... In the past, I've been able to run a marathon and my body, but I've got a treasure within me, and that is Jesus. And that says that I am going to live forever. And that God's going to get me through the difficult times because I learned to connect with the treasure that is within my life. And when you are going through a tough time, it's about connecting with the treasure that is really in your life. That treasure that makes a difference. And, and what keeps us going well, it's, we are fueled not just by the food that we eat or the turkey that we consume or the mashed potato you're going to eat later on, but we are fueled by the word of God that is within our lives. And when we have the word of God in our lives, this helps us maintain our joy, our peace, our hope, our love. 
But many Christians wither. And the reason they wither is because they're not feeding on the vine. And we're in danger of withering within our spiritual life. And so we've got to decide, I want to be a person that seeks the living word of God within my life today. For this problem, for this difficulty, for this crisis, I need God's voice in my life at this time. And when one has God's voice in your life at this time... There comes the joy, there comes the peace, there comes a change within you because you've got God speaking to you. So if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried, if you're feeling as if your life is spinning out of control, then what you need to ask the Lord is, Lord, what is your word in this situation? Because if you rely upon your own strength, you're wither. But if you rely upon the strength and the power of God within your life and his word, that word will get you through, will keep you moving, will, will work in your life remarkably. And of course, uh, Pastor Jordan spoke about humility. And if we're going to grow, we have to be willing to understand that we are humble enough to stand before the Lord and humble enough to be before each other, humble enough to grow and say, Lord, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to develop, I want to develop in that way, that humility. But then, of course, last week I spoke about the wilderness and that very often God shapes our character through wilderness experiences. Because the most important thing I believe to the Lord is is him shaping who we are and shaping our character and teaching us things. It's called the process of sanctification. I know that sounds like a very religious word, but it is a religious word. That's why it sounds like it. But it's that process by which within your life, God changes you to become more like Jesus Christ within your life. And you go on this journey. And often through the wilderness, we understand that like Moses, he had a lot of arrogance. He had a lot of self-confidence. He had a lot of knowledge, but God hadn't prepared him at that point to lead the nation until he'd been in the wilderness. And when he was in the wilderness, God dealt with his character. And when he was in the wilderness, God met with him at the burning bush. You remember that? Do you remember that time in Exodus? Now, for those of you who aren't particularly into the Bible. This may freak you out. But there's a time in, the, in, in Exodus where God comes to kill Moses. Do you remember that? Because he's not circumcised. It's like God goes, I've let you live like this long enough. Now, if you're going to do what I'm calling you to do, you better get your house in order. Otherwise, it's the end. And he comes to him and he has to circumcise his family. And it's a picture of saying... You have been, you've lived this way amongst the nomads and in the wilderness. You have now met me, but to go on to do the next job, you've got to be willing to lay your whole life. And circumcision is a sign of utter devotion to Christ Jesus. And that utter devotion that comes enables you to go and do what God is calling you to do next. And there's a moment in all of our lives at different times when we have to say, like the Apostle Paul, no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. And I'm willing to die. And if you're going to do the next stage of what God is calling you to do in your life, you and I, we need to be willing to die. 
We need to be willing to meet with the Lord and say, Lord, I give it all up. I give this all up to you and I lay my whole life down and I give it all up to you. And so the wilderness produces the character for us to do the next assignment that God has for us. And to do that assignment, that assignment may be the kind of father that God is calling you to be. That assignment may be the kind of wife that God is calling to be. That assignment may be in that career, that job where you engage with people in the community. But God has called you to be a light that shines in the darkness. You see, you've all got assignments, but it's whether you're willing to allow the Lord to keep changing you so you can fulfill the assignment that God has got for you within your life. So I want to ask the question, taking the next step, maximizing your potential. I had a phone call this week. I often get them. And somebody uh, through the office, uh, there's a message for you. It was on the answer machine. Hello. Uh, This is a certain message of a man. He said, I'd like to be born again, please. Oh, this is interesting. Can I meet with Pastor Phil? I'd like to be born again. That's a really good thing, isn't it? Like, so I phoned him back. He said, yeah. I've, I've been involved with some Christians in different ways. I've lived my life. I've worked all over the world. I've traveled and so on. But I really feel that I need to be born again. I said, he said, I said well, I, I think you need to come and see me. So he came to my office two days later. I sat with him and I listened to a lovely story and a traumatic story and an amazing story. And at the end of it, I simply said, would you like to be born again now? I explained to him what it meant to give your life to Jesus. And he looked at me and said, yes, I want to be born again. Whoa, that's, that's payday at church. That's wonderful. You know, when people are... Uh, are coming in and they just want to get saved. I, I, I'd like you to pray that that happens five days a week, every day, while I'm at, for the next 10 years at Willow Park Church, that uh, every day somebody wants to get saved, that God moves. And I explained to him that you're on a journey now. And this is the kind of journey that you get born again, but that's not it. It's about maturity. It's about growth. It's about strength. You could even be raised in a Christian home, but you've never really engaged in the true journey of going deeper with God. And this is the journey that we are going on. This is the journey of growth. And, and we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we, walking with God, how do we walk with God? How does this work? How do I go farther? How do I go deeper? Because God wants us to keep changing and wants us to keep moving. And I want to talk about four or five phases that we go through to mature in Christian life. Because this is Thanksgiving. It's about fruitfulness. Often we would have like vegetables and things and, and harvest time and, and celebrate the harvest and so on. But I want to celebrate the harvest that God wants to do within your work. And the first phase that God will take you all through is what we call the sovereign foundation phase. This is what God has laid within your life. Your experiences, your background, where you were born, where are you from? I look around, I know where some of you are from. 
You're from exciting, dynamic places like Saskatchewan. That's wonderful. Some of you are from other exciting, dynamic places like Manitoba. But before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see, sovereign foundations is that God knew you before the creation of the world. Sovereign foundations is that God know where you would be born, what accent you would have, what culture you came from. There's lots of wonderful cultures in Willow Park Church. I mean, you even let the English in. It's amazing. And I was born in Worcestershire. Can you all say that? One, two, three. Ah, Worcestershire. Um, I was born in Worcestershire, in the shires, amongst hobbits. And little creatures. And there I was. And I came from, from the land of the Shires. In fact, actually, where Tolkien uh, got the idea about caves for his book. is actually eight miles away from my house where he used to walk through the Kimber Caves. And uh, Google that, but you won't be able to spell it. But I'll tell you how to do that. But I'm, 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 I'm influenced by my history, by my family. I'm in- influenced by what I traveled through before I met Jesus. My natural talents, my natural abilities. I've always been somebody that could talk a lot. I'm, I love a good story. I'm inquisitive. You are different. You have got your personality. These are what we call sovereign foundations. For he chose us before the creation of the world by a holy and blameless in his sight. You are chosen. God knew you. Your family, where you've come through, is not wasted because in Christ Jesus, your sovereign foundations are the foundation which God is going to build purpose in your life. But there has to be an event between phase one and phase two. There has to be an event That takes place. And we know that all things that God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You look at your family life. You look at your background. Let God take the chaos of your life and let him turn it all for good. And bring a purpose. Your mistakes, he can turn for good. Your brokenness, he can turn for good. Your journey, he can turn for purpose, for good. But then phase two is inner life and the growth phase. This begins with a moment that takes place when you experience conversion. Or if you've been brought up as a Christian. I was never brought up as a Christian. I'm quite smart. I was brought up, my dad's an atheist. You know, well, he's not like agnostic, so there's been a progression. But I, I was raised as a non-believer. I was raised not believing in God. I was raised with, I only went to church twice in my life before I got converted. Once was when I was dropped off because dad wanted the rest, so he dropped me off at Sunday school when I was four. And they locked me in the Sunday school room, but I escaped out the window and walked home. Uh, My dad was not pleased that I managed to escape from Sunday school, but I did. And the next time was was a was my uncle's wedding, when he got married in Worcestershire, and uh, at a beautiful uh, uh, Gothic church. But 
Uh, that, that, those are my two experiences, really. My family never talked about going to church. My mum used to tell a story about the time she went to church was that she got into the tower, the bell tower, with a boyfriend when she was 14, climbed all the way to the top. The vicar locked the door at the bottom and they were stuck at the top of the bell tower, uh, which I, I imagine he was quite pleased about. But then they had to shout for help. Church was nothing to do with my life. But some of you may have been raised as PKs, pastor's kids like my kids. You may have been raised in it. But just because, like you and me, there has to be a point of total surrender. Whether you're raised as a PK, or whether you, like my kids, or whether you're an atheist that got converted, to enter phase two means that you need to lay your whole life down before God and say to God, God, you are number one. I give my life. I hand it over. God does not have grandchildren. What God wants is children. And you and I have to lay it down. And the moment we die to ourselves and the moment we lay our life down and say, God, I give it up, is the moment that we begin the hardest journey, but the most rewarding journey, the most amazing journey. That journey is inner growth and change as God takes us on a journey of testing us and testing who we are and seeing whether we can be given his Trust and assignments that God has for us. How are you doing on the inner life growth journey? Is God changing you? Are you seeing God at work? You seeing that inner growth phase? There are Robert Clinton in his book about leadership. He's a fuller lecturer and um, and top. Uh, philosopher and thinker in leadership at the Fuller Institute says that within the inner life growth phase, there are three key areas that a Christian must learn to become mature. What are those three things? Well, the first is that we know, know that being a Christian is a series of tests, but nobody ever tells us this, do they? We are being tested all the time, and by being tested, we are being refined. You and I are being tested all the time. How we respond, the kind of character we have, the kind of test. Test number one, first test, is the integrity test. That when you become a Christian and you've laid your life down, there'll be moments when there is integrity. Do you choose to go against what God is calling you to do or not? Do you choose? I've, I've been with a, I remember I led a lad to the Lord in England. He was a scruffy little fellow with spiked hair, a kind of punk. He had, he had piercings where nobody should have piercings. And, and he had tattoos and he, he found Jesus. And, and he said, he said um, Phil, I said, yeah. He said, I found Jesus, but you know, I used to rob a lot of places and I used to go and, and, and steal from these places. And I want to go to the police station and I want to confess to all my crimes. Wow, that's integrity. So we went, <laughs> it was so funny. You've all seen English BBC shows of the of the sergeant that's behind the desk in the English police shows, right? So we walk in there and he stands there. And I say, uh, 
Uh, hello, Sergeant. Hello, sir. Who are you? I'm from the local church, you know, Chorn Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's uh, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. And, um, and Johnny's got a few things to tell you. And Johnny said, yes, I've become a Christian. And I want to tell you that I robbed this shop. I stole from this person. And I did this. The officer's chin dropped. She said, are you kidding me? Is this a wind-up? said, no, no, integrity. I know I stole back from you. I know that I did this. And, and he confessed. And the, the sergeant listened. He looked at the age of these things. He said, well, thank you for telling me. I'll take a note and we'll decide whether we're going to follow up. God's grace was good and they didn't follow up. I was with a, a pastor this week, because you know pastors, who used to be in a gang, and, and, and he broke into a gun shop and stole a handgun when he was a rebel teenager, and it freaked him out then, and then he threw it in the river in Red Deer, and then he, he, he grew in Christ, got converted, became the youth pastor of this church, he's driving one day, and the Spirit says to him, take... Go and tell the owner of the shop that you stole that gun. What? So he turns up. He goes into the gun shop and he says, I just want to confess that that gun that was stolen, that was me. And the owner was not impressed. You're the one, he said. You ruined this. I had to change all my security. I was investigated. You stole that handgun? Yeah, I did. And I'm, I'm, I'm now a pastor. A pastor? What do you mean you're a pastor? Anyway, they sort of worked it out, and he told me this week that he always used to buy all his fishing gear from that shop for the rest of his life, just to kind of say sorry. But that's integrity, isn't it? It's integrity. It's you and I saying, hey, that's a test. There'll be moments where God tests you, and that's a sign of spiritual maturity. Integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Do not live a double-minded life. The worst witness is a Christian who's acting double-minded. Particularly with areas of integrity. Particularly with areas that creates problems and spiritual difficulties. The second test is obedience, not rebellion. That we are willing to be obedient to Christ. Like Abraham was obedient to sacrifice Isaac and God brought a ram. So that was that moment of choice. Like Joseph was obedient to not sleep with Potiphar's wife. He could have kind of made some, well, you know, she's a lonely woman. And, and Potiphar's away quite a lot. And, you know, I'm, I felt compromised. And I was, you know, I was struggling. And I'm so far away from Judah. And I too needed a bit of comfort. So, no, he didn't do that, did he? He didn't give excuses. He flew out of the door and ran away from Potiphar's wife. She was after him, but he chose obedience, not rebellion. And we all have that choice to choose obedience because rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It takes on problems. It creates difficulties. And so we choose to be obedient. The third thing 
Oh, well, let's have a scripture. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. True obedience is walking in love. Now, how are you doing on your spiritual journey? You might have hung around church a long time, but I know some Christians that have almost been in church forever and they still haven't learned these three lessons. You say, we've only done two, Phil. Yeah, that's true. But there's a third one coming. But they haven't, there's still a rebellious streak within them towards the things of God. Still a resentment there. There's a disobedience. There's also, you know, a lack of integrity. And, and we all have to face that and, and deal with it. And, and say, yes, it's, uh, I, I, I find... You know, it's like when I go to the Kelowna dump, it's a great battle within me. Do I put some glass bottles in the main dump or do I drive all the way around to put it into that, yeah? Oh, life is full of those moments, isn't it? Do I recycle properly? You say, well, that may not matter. That's a really useless illustration, by the way. But metaphorically, life is like that. We can always make excuses. Why? But God calls us to walk. Third, word check. What do I mean by this? That a mature Christian in phase two, having given their whole life to God, walks in obedience, walks in integrity, and is a Christian who is willing to obey what God is saying to them now. That they look for God's voice now. You look for God's voice in every situation. You look for God's voice at work in your life. When you have a difficulty, you are praying for God's voice to come and to meet with you. You're asking God to be there present. Why? Oh, how I love your law. And meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for your, you yourself have taught me. Isn't that beautiful? That's what I mean. This is what I'm talking about. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to the mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Don't we love that verse? That's what I mean by the word. Don't you love it? Do you remember when Amy Grant sang it? That shows your age if you do. Forget it. Who's Amy Grant? Good question. But... Remember those days, Striper and those kind of bands, um, and Amy Grant. But I used to love that song. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That's what we are saying. That when, you, when you're growing in maturity, you're saying, actually, 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things, and I will put you in charge of the many things. Do you think it's possible that Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt because he was faithful in Potiphar's house? Do you think it's possible that Moses was able to leave Israel because he was willing to bring order and in the wilderness he found God? We all go through that process and we all go through that journey and we all move. And Moses had to, had to discover integrity. He had to discover obedience to Yahweh. He had to discover listening to the word of God and following the instructions all the way through to taking Aaron's stick and throwing it on the ground to turn it into a snake or striking the Nile that gave the three plagues, particular three plagues that came from the Nile in the story. Moses had to trust, but he had to be changed and God changed his character. Phase three, being trained and prepared. Often research has shown that even those that attend church regularly never get beyond battling phase two and entering phase three. But spiritual maturity for fruitfulness is being trained and prepared that we are, we are willing to grow and we're willing to be available in the small things and we're willing to allow the Lord to prepare us and train us and be available to him. And so many of us, we've got talents We've got abilities. Some are called to serve. Some are called to teach. Some are called to do certain things. We all have a role. But very often, it's so sad because Christians can stay kind of caught between phase one and two. And like they're, they're stuck. I used to have, do you remember records? When they get a scratch? Remember those? I used to have an ABBA album that went... That sang, money, 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 must be funny. In the rich man's world, 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 in the rich man's world. Money. Remember those moments? Things called records. Some of us in our spiritual life, we're stuck on the scratch. And we're saying the same thing again and again, but we're not moving on. And we're playing the same song. But it's time to go to phase three. Allow the Lord to train you. Allow the Lord to prepare you. I don't know what for. Maybe that career. Maybe that company. Maybe that family God has, has brought you into. Maybe that gift of a beautiful child. We've got a beautiful new baby. First time in church. Charles is over here. He's his first time in church. Hurrah! You know, we are, it's the greatest privilege. My wife told me off because I, 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 I quoted somebody that said, when a cat sits on my lap, this is one of the most greatest privileges of my life. She said, that's rubbish. She said, when I gave birth to four children, that was the greatest privilege. I said, oh yeah, you're right. I'm, uh, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace 
in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God's provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Often, this phase is simply about saying, God train me for my next. I've nailed integrity, I'm sorted out obedience, and I'm learning to listen to your word. But now train me. Train me. Because the next stage is very much to do with the life maturing. This is when everything comes together. And you're starting now as a mature Christian to function on all of these levels. You're aware of your gifting. God is shaping your character. You're ready for the mission that God has for you. And suddenly you're in life maturing. And this is where you live the vine. You become fruitful. You learn to remain and abide. And you learn to bear fruit. And this is a spiritual depth that is so beautiful and so magnificent that you're going farther and deeper and more profound. And you've got rid of all your junk. You've got rid of all the things you're depending on. You've moved away from the world and you're looking for the virtues of the kingdom of God to rule in your life. And you want the King of kings and the Lord of lords to reign and be complete in your life. And now you find yourself in this place. You find yourself, the believer in this phase gains a sense of priorities concerning the best of their gifts. What are the best gifts you've got? Don't waste them. Don't bury them. Use them. Use them in your life. Concerning their gifts, the Christian also comes to understand that knowing what not to do is as important as learning what to do. And mature fruitfulness is the result. And we're all looking for a church that is fruitful and mature. And, and that we're growing in these, these areas. And we are, are willing. And, and there is a, a fifth phase which is called convergence. When all of this comes together and it all works And you've got a sense of peace. You know who you are in God. You know that nothing's going to change. You are never going to give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so good. But some Christians and some people never quite get there. It's like like they're always stuck at that point between one and two. And they keep making the same mistakes. and And it's like the Bible says, they are saved by the very skin of their teeth. Have you met those kind of people? It's like, why are you doing that? And you just, what's wrong with you? just want to kick you into the kingdom of God. I don't mind saving anybody. I can't save anybody, but I don't mind winning anybody to Christ. However, by the skin of their teeth, by pushing them in. Um, many times I've been there when someone's just about to die. I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? That's it. Hooray, you're in, you know? You know? But we... God wants us all to grow. He wants us all to be fruitful. And instead of looking back at all the chaos and garbage and ruckus of your life, 
and going, oh, what was all that for? And carrying the pain of it. Let God take those sovereign foundations and form you. Let him, let him work and test you. Let him train you and develop you. Let you step into spiritual maturity with what God has given you. And then at the very end, you can die well because you've run the race well. And as you've run the race, you've said, yes, as for me, I have lived for Jesus. I close my eyes and I open them again and I'm face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Kind of all comes together there. Comes together. You go, yeah. So start to look at your life in a very different way. And start to, and I ask you, where are you in these phases? What phase are you? What phase are you in your journey? Where are you? That's an interesting question, isn't it? It's a question, important question. Because in your spiritual maturity, as Robert Clinton writes in his famous book, we've all got to this. this I, are you running the race well? Have you allowed the pains of the past to form your character? Are you now at that point? We want to thank those that have joined us online. And that's something to really pray about. And we're grateful that you've joined us. And uh, do email us and respond if God has spoken to you. And you know you're on this journey of maturity and growth.